Hello, and thanks for tuning in to Stable Connections, the podcast. Today's episode is with Hilary Van Tottenhove, and she talks to us about why she chose the bodywork that she offers to her equine clients and how having twins has changed her whole life. Hope you enjoy. My parents were like living in LA. I have a sister who's four years older than I am. In LA, like the late 80s, and there was like crime. So they wanted to get out of the city. And so they decided it was a good idea to buy 160 acres up in Red Bluff, like the outskirts of Red Bluff, like off a dirt road, you know, generator, solar panels, the whole like off off the grid. grid. Yeah. Yeah. So they did the whole LA, know nothing about animals, horses, whatever, and they did that. So I was like, not even two when they did that and that was actually a really great experience like from what I can remember the first five years of a child's life is when you develop their the core of who they are and I just feel like we got to run in the mud and there was like snakes in our pond and I remember having like a litter of kittens at one point living under our house on accident like they just probably, showed up there yeah. probably on accident <laughs> so really great way to be a small child and then when I was about seven I think my parents got divorced it was like kind of a quick split and so I think the ranch just was basically sold for nothing and then I went with my mom and my sister went with my dad and then there was a couple of years where like I went from tons of animals and living out on this wonderful ranch with horses and all that stuff to like nothing did you recognize at the time what was going on or I don't think so I don't know I don't remember now thinking it was a big deal. I think kids are pretty resilient like that. And as far as like horses specifically, like we had horses. I remember going to like a little local show and my mom made matching hot pink shirts, like silk satin shirts for my sister and I to wear. (laughs) And she would lead me around and I like won my lead line class. Although I think every kid wins through, right? Like everybody gets a blue ribbon, but to me, that was really awesome. So anyways, there are some definitely great memories of like living on the ranch and all of that. I'm sure my parents weren't having the best of time just because of the aftermath. Just <laughs> and, and just like, yeah, I mean, the no work. wonder y'all got divorced. Like you went from, you know, just living this simple life to taking on this whole all this responsibility. But anyway, so that happened. And then I wasn't like with my sister for a couple of years, which was really weird. So I'm really close to my sister. She's a horse trainer now and I'm a body worker. And so like horses have always been the one thing that's connected us. And even though she's, you know, was older and I was like kind of the little kid following her around, probably super annoying. The two years going without her was weird. So eventually she came to live with my mom and we just, always found horses. I don't even know how. Was your mom into horses as well? No, no, my parents were not into horses. My dad was more willing to like try things that he didn't know about. So when he got us our first pony, it was like, I, I literally think the pony was in a circus at some point and then it was like in a rescue. And then, cause he could do all these like little tricks and stuff, but he was very naughty. Saddle didn't fit. I think we used a towel under the Western saddle <laughs> as, as, the pad. The, as the pad. Yes. That kind of stuff. Like we just tortured them most likely. But they lived out on land and I think the horses were really happy. But it was all very trial by error. That's kind of my whole horse experience. I grew up, you know, not having a ton of money, single parent. And so if I wanted to try something with horses, it was 
I'll muck out the stalls or I'll, you know, that kind Work of thing. Yeah, and like the, all, you know, the other moms were like, I'll buy you lunch today and I'll, you know, super sweet. We lived in Morgan Hill, like we moved to Morgan Hill, so in the Bay Area. And our neighbor, like three neighbors down, had an Arabian show barn. And I don't remember exactly how the connection was made, but my sister and I ended up working for her, cleaning stalls on Saturday morning so we could ride. And I just remember being like in awe of these beautiful Arabians and they're all, you know, clipped and gorgeous and show sheen and everything. And so my little eight, nine year old mind was like, oh my God. So I would just stay at the barn all day and watch. The way I learn is, I don't know what you call it, but just observing. Yeah, like observing. watching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's how I learned. So I love auditing clinics. I love all that stuff because I will just notice the little details. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna try that. So I'm good at like watching someone and then applying it to myself. So I would just stay there all day, like watching lessons and learning. And I don't think it was really like true horsemanship or any sort of like purist horsemanship stuff at all. It was pretty, now looking back, like not conducive to the horse's well-being. But at the time I was just like, sweet, I'm around all these hooves like this is amazing you know and i remember distinctly getting to ride this beautiful gray arabian but she was pretty tall and so i'd have to like take the western saddle and just like lift it above my head and like flip it on the horse because my trainer's like if you can't saddle her you can't ride her so and you weren't allowed to use a stool no i mean i don't know or maybe i just wasn't that smart of a kid maybe there just wasn't one around <laughs> maybe that was dangerous i don't know but she's like get this on the horse saddle it up and make it happen so i did i don't know why that like came to mind but i just had this image of like putting it above my head and just getting it on because figuring it out just figuring it out i just wanted to ride so badly so that is kind of a microcosm of like my horse experience growing up in general and then so did you ride you and your sister both ride all through middle school high school i was riding but i i was never as kind of competitive as she was and I was very social and involved in my high school so like in high school I bought an off-the-track thoroughbred again knew nothing like didn't know what I was doing but I at least knew enough like I was very always empathetic towards the horses and like didn't do anything too stupid so I got away with it like the horses tended to like me so they allowed me to do a lot of things you listened to them <laughs> so I listened to them I really did try to and then I went out for a summer to visit my sister in Michigan on this breeding farm and it gave me a totally different look at like the quality of horses that you could have and be around in a better in a better way yes absolutely what was better about it that you remember I don't know like I think I was just a in a little tiny pond you know what I mean and I just remember this breeding farm had like a hundred horses and lots of babies and lots of mamas and beautiful like they would go be I mean, it was an Arabian farm and they went to like nationals and so it was just on a higher level and it was only for a summer but I just remember thinking like okay this is quality and why did you get a thoroughbred do you know? Do you remember? Oh I think no I remember because it was an ad that I saw in a tack store and she was only $900, so I could afford her. Mm -hmm. um, and, and she then, was local, I'm guessing. And she was local, kind of local. So I went to go look at her to try her, and a 14-year-old girl had been riding her, and so I was like, she can ride her, I can totally ride her. <laughs> <laughs> so we just made it happen. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I was pretty impulsive, but my mom knew nothing. She was like, okay, sweetie, I'll pay for the trailering if you, you know, purchase her. So no vet check, no nothing. You know, we were just... Winging it. Doing it, yeah. After high school, I went to community college in Santa Barbara for a couple years, and I remember going like a whole year without horses, and it was like, 
awesome in some respects because I got to really experience college and people and the you know not have the responsibility of the horse but then I just really missed it too after a year <laughs> I went to the local riding they have like a, a riding stable at the at UC Santa Barbara and I just left a note in the tack room it was like I've been riding for this amount of years I have this amount of experience I want to ride whatever you have call me <laughs> like my number and free labor yeah basically <laughs> and a gal called me and she had an ex-eventer she was really busy with school the horse ended up being like amazing teacher for me and so I spent like a year and a half with her and rode her and I feel like a little guilt about this because I rode her and then my boyfriend he was joining the military so we had to like kind of move quickly and I, I didn't I just sort of like left <laughs> like ghosted her like I ghosted yeah no I mean I left um, and obviously she had her own person and caretaker but I just always remember like now looking back how amazing this horse was to me and I like, should have kept in touch. I don't know. <laughs> I just loved her. But you know, we all have like guilt over well, that stuff we do when we're young. It happened for a reason that way. And yeah. there's priorities and there's things that happen. Yeah, so. totally. And I actually was living on this little island called Whidbey Island off the coast of Washington. They have a naval base there. Just like, where are all the horses? Like, what do I do with my time? I had a border, go border collie, thank goodness. So we like hung out, but I just was like, this is not my thing. It was my 21st birthday. My sister was working at a hunter jumper barn in Sacramento. You know, fast forward her like going through the Arabian breeding stage and all that. And then she moved to California, got this job. She was like, come stay with me. So I just left. And that sort of started my training and like, okay, this is the horse industry and this is what you can do with that. I didn't finish college. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And so I just dabbled in everything horses. I like taught lessons. I went to clinics, everything from like, you know, I audited like George Morris and I audited like Clinton Anderson, like Buck Branham and just everybody. So I kind of went on this like 10 year journey of figuring out who I was, what kind of horseman I wanted to be realizing that it was like way far apart from the things that I had been learning as a child. Like I would say I'm more of like a purist now. Like I really want to do everything correctly for the horse. I take my time, all that good jazz and definitely wasn't doing that before. Yeah, but that's so. the best way to learn is to recognize the things you were doing before and realizing that that's not yeah. maybe how you want to do it mm -hmm. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You do have to make mistakes to improve. Or not mistakes, but just, yeah, they were totally mistakes. Experience. Yeah, yeah experience. Experiences yeah. that didn't feel good afterwards or whatever. Exactly. Even if it's 10 years afterwards. Yes. Like the guilt I feel for leaving, for ghosting that thoroughbred. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so within that kind of exploring which option you wanted to do, how did bodywork come into the forefront? Yeah. So I got really into endurance riding. That's when I first started really doing having other people, other body workers work on my horses because it's a pretty intense sport. And the horses have to be very athletic. You know, they spend 50 to 100 miles a week <laughs> doing their thing. And so my boyfriend and I at the time were really into doing that. And so we had osteopaths and chiropractors and all sorts of stuff, masseuses, you know, work on the horses. And I had finished a couple of Tevises actually. And the 
his name's Tom Mays and he's a local osteopath and he would work on my horses and I just saw like a huge difference. I didn't have a lot of money so I had to be very, very conscientious about what I did with my horses. So I had like a plan each year. Okay, I have four rides I wanna do. I would never scringe on like shoes or bodywork. Like I always got my horses bodywork and I feel like it paid off in the long run. And then Tom, the body worker, he was like, you know, you could really do this. And that was the first time I was like, oh yeah, I guess I could do this too. <laughs> like, and it would save me a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so at first I got into it just thinking I would do this to my, you know, horses who are athletes. I started learning, let's see, I can't remember like the exact timeline right now because as anyone knows who's had children, time just really, I don't know, something happens with the timeline. So I got pregnant right before I was about to do my third Tevis in 2018. And it was a little bit of a like, we had been trying, but I was 31. So I was like, oh, it won't happen right away. Yeah, boom, happened right away. <laughs> and with twins. So I got pregnant with twins. At the time I was um, like an assistant trainer. So I was working with a lot of babies. It can be a little more dangerous. I was thinking, okay, this is something a little safer I can do. And I thought that it melded with my personality a bit more. I started taking courses, Tom's courses actually, and you know, I already had like quite a few connections up in the Sacramento area. So I just got my hands on as many horses as I could. And I'm a pretty like, I would say pretty intuitive person. And I definitely had very, very good honed like horsemanship skills at the time. So those things, along with the thirst for knowledge and like bringing more of the scientific aspect into it helped quite a bit and then you know having the twins really drove that even further like twins sort of gave me a push which is weird too to think about because it also like I had such bad FOMO when I had my kids because I thought I was just gonna miss out. Like I'm never gonna do tennis again. And I'm, not, you know, twins is a huge responsibility. But yeah, at the one same child is a lot. I mean, and then you have two at one time, right? and there weren't easy babies. I'm telling you. And so it just gave me this push to just want to do more and more and more. And now I just like continue my education and sort of grow. And I think like you know this too because you're professional. You can be the most talented person in the room, but if you don't go out every day and work hard and show up on time, you have to be nice to people. You can't gossip in this industry. Like you just have to be legit. Like you cannot, you know, and so those things I think I really bring to the table with the body work, but it's all the horses, man. They're just amazing. Like I feel like I learn from them so much every day and yeah, feel really, really lucky, super blessed to do this. I mean, it's a very niche business. <laughs> like, it's really interesting. I'll go through the Starbucks drive-through, and you know, they're like, "What are you doing today? You going to work?" I'm like, yeah, I, you know, what do I say? I'm like, I do massages for horses, or I'll say like, I do physiotherapy for horses, and they're like, "What is that?" Like, oh People my god, pay for that? Yeah, like yeah. what? So, were you doing Tom's courses? They're all online courses, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. No, they're oh, all in person. In person, yeah. And I don't know how people learn that stuff online me either. Yeah. So doing them in person while being pregnant? Yes. And so did you finish them before the children were It's born? like an ongoing, like he has a ton. I still have classes to take of his. So it's been like a few years of just continual education, especially with something like cranial sacral, which is what I, 
I would say I mostly do with the horses. It's a very unique way to approach body work. It's not chiropractic, yet you can still align the horse. So it's very detail oriented. You have to practice a lot. It's a lot of feel and timing. The same thing. It's like I tell my clients like this, what I'm doing with tissue or with spinal fluid is the same thing that you do when you're looking for like that true feel on a horse or that true release. It's all the same. Yeah. You just have to learn what that feeling is and understand it. Yeah. Yeah. And why did you choose his course? I just really like him and his wife. So his wife does cranial sacral on people and he does cranial sacral and osteopathic work for horses. He's very open. He's very eccentric. He's very scientific yet also woo woo. I love that. And then his wife's super grounded and like calm and just she's like the mother hen of everyone. So they do these courses together and it's a lot of information in one course. I literally feel like I do, could do his courses over and over and over again and still not comprehend everything that I should probably be knowing. Um, but then you take it and you make it your own. So everybody who does body work or everyone who's a trainer, you know, they have a little something different to give. So yeah, and I think I just chose him because he was the one that like opened me up to the possibility. He's very good at seeing something in you and in the horses that they don't see. So it's a really cool gift that he has. And I think really only truly open-minded, spiritual, and not spiritual in the sense of um, like religious, but just open-minded spiritual people can have that sort of gift. So yeah, or intuitive. Intuitive, or yes, intuitive, yeah. And not to take away from the scientific information that you're given. I, I can't say that enough. I feel like it's everything's on a spectrum and you sort of have to pull from it what you need for the horse that day. Yeah. yeah, and you're doing the course, you have your children. When did you start your business and what did that feel like? I started it when I was pregnant. Okay. So literally, okay, I got pregnant and like springish and then I like took the course right when I found out I was pregnant because I told Tom, I was like, well, I'm not doing Tevis, so I'm gonna do this. And then right after that, I just started reaching out to people and I was like, I will do your horse for free, but I wanna see if it's making a difference and I wanna get my hands on different horses. Um, and then I started like sponsoring people. That's a really good way to sort of reach out and gain business. And I feel like I already had like an aptitude for it. And then I started investigating, you know, what tools to use. Like PMF was one of the first things that I was very drawn to at the time I met you. I think I only took off like maybe two months of work luckily what I do because everything's fairly I probably do more manipulation now but um, especially at the beginning everything was very gentle I didn't have to do a lot of wear and tear on my body as I've grown and learned more I can do a little more physicality with the horses and tell me your business name and how you came up with it my business name is centered equine therapy so one of the things that I wanted to put out there into the universe the most with body work is that it's not just about the body it's all or 50%, I don't even know, but a lot of it is the horse's like spirituality, their mental focus, emotionally how they're balanced, and as we know, scientifically how that ends up affecting like organs and you know serotonin levels and things like that. So I really wanted it to be starting right off the bat, like this is for the physicality of the horse, but it's also, I'm, I wanna give them a soft place to fall. Like I want to be around them and I really want them to just be like, oh, Hillary's here today, cool. And just feel like be at and peace. And exhale. And exhale and be at peace. 
and that comes from a lot of like for me grounding myself meditation continual education and sometimes just like listening to them you know sitting with them listening to them do you remember your first time going out for like i know you said you didn't ask for money for a lot of clients for a while but do you remember your first time kind of having a full day of paid clients and what that was like for you yeah that's a really cool question i yeah it was sort of like sprinklings here and there and in the sacramento horse industry is small but really growing and everyone knows each other and is very tight-knit it's a really kind of special little community it's not the bay area you know it's sacramento and so you kind of know everybody pretty quickly and then you know my sister's in the business so i i started making money fairly quickly yeah that's a really good question because i have not thought about that actually so i have like anxiety and i've i pretty much i feel like i've I don't want to say suffered from it because I saw a lot of people say that I've had anxiety for most of my life and I do remember having like crazy postpartum weird episode stuff so yeah starting off with the horses it took me a lot to not only like ground myself first before you know approaching different horses but learn how to compartmentalize what people are saying to me what the horse is saying to me all of that I was like really, really sensitive and emotional when I first started the process. And a lot of like with cranial sacral work or with somatics, you sort of like take on the horse's energy, whether it's like sadness or grief or joy or whatever it is. So I, I think my biggest task was to learn how to deal with that and compartmentalize it. And also get on Zoloft because there was a point where I was like, I just need a little medication. So I did a whole year on like a low level dose of Zoloft. And it just like brought me to this place where I was able to then gain coping mechanisms, like brought me above the clouds, so to speak, a little bit lifted me out of it. And so I could deal with my anxieties, which are over nothing sometimes. Sometimes you're just driving in the car and you just like go to town biting your nails, it, you know? Yeah, so everybody I think deals with it in some way, but then also having the hormones of, you know, twins, I, you know, escalated that. So yeah, the probably biggest challenge like leading up to getting more clients and, and having a full day was being able to like go horse to horse and compartmentalize. And now I'm just at the point where I'll just tell clients like you can't, be here when I'm working on your horse because you drive me insane. I love you, but you talk too much. And this is not for you, this is for your horse. And <laughs> I will just tell them that. Or, you know, I'll just tell the trainer, I need a day at the barn when no one is there so I can go through the horses and give them what they need, you know? Love all of my clients. I am super, super lucky with the clients that I have, but horses, they feel different energies. And a lot of horses are actually just very codependent on their owners. So they, it's just different. It's like sending your kid to daycare. They're really good for the teacher and then you, you know, take them home and they're like, you know, yeah, doing all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Well, that and essentially the way I look at it for my stuff is the horse is my client. The human yep. is just paying for it, but I'm there to work on the horse. <laughs> totally. And so if the horse is paying attention to yes. the owner, they're still getting the work, right? The body is still feeling it, but yeah. the energy is off. Yeah, and if you want to be truly like centered, like how, you know, I want my clients to feel, my four-legged clients, then sometimes you just have to separate, yeah, the two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when when you got on Zoloft, was the plan one year? 
My doctor said to stay on it for at least six months because you're not going to see real results. And she gave me a prescription up to a year. And I was on like the lowest dose. I think it was like 25 milligrams. And I was thinking like, okay, let's try it for six months. And I totally saw a difference. And so I just like finished out the prescription and I did a lot of self care and work and like just realizing that having kids is a transition for everyone you're not going crazy and you're not you know you will be fine and your business will still grow and there was this point where i was like god do i have to choose between kids and a business i think a lot of women in the horse industry feel this way you know they're just paying the babysitter so they can go ride the horses but they're not really making money even at it sometimes you know they just want to continue their passion or let's say they grew their business before they had kids they just want to continue that so they don't lose everything that they've built for me it was like simultaneous with having kids so i feel like in a way i was lucky because i could sort of navigate and choose and had a very very supportive husband he was actually the reason why i started taking the classes he was like you're afraid but you need to do this and like yeah, you're right. <laughs> so Yeah, well, maybe he knew in you that you didn't want to not, quote-unquote, just be a mom, but yeah. they're, like, it's okay to be both things. You can have a career and you can be a mom. And that's the key word, too, career, because in the horse industry, it's really easy to, like, kind of hop around. Like, I was giving lessons. I was, you know, training a little bit, but it wasn't my own, and I really wanted something that I could, like, identify with that was my own. And I think there's a lot of people that are contacting me right now who are you know, in their late 20s, mid 20s, same thing. They're like, I, I wanna, what is this body work and how can I get into it? Or, you know, I, I wanna learn more about what you do. And I'm like, yeah, let's do this. And I love opening that door for people because I think there's a large portion of people that like don't necessarily wanna be a trainer or maybe don't have this goal set for that, but body work or like being a, a vet or a vet assistant or do, you know, doing PMF or something like that you know, there's a way to contribute. So it's it's fun to see how the horse world has evolved a bit. It used to be like all just Cairo, I feel, like a lot of chiropractic. And now, I mean, I have a very full business. I know you do. And I know a lot of other body workers that do. Like people truly want to take care of their horses and want to do what's right by them. And so that's really nice to see. When do you feel like within your practice, your books felt full and it felt consistent? Yeah, so I am only in my fourth year of doing this full time. I would, I feel like by year two, I was pretty full. And what I mean by full is like, I still had to take care of my kids. So I was probably working in year two, I was doing two to three full days a week. Then I started adding going to horse shows, which can be nice and it can be lucrative but it's very it's a really long day and being at shows is a little scattered as anyone knows with like the hunter jumper world like classes are never on time and this that and the other thing and so shows is like something that i did for like three years and really love to be able to offer my clients that but this year i feel like well especially with the ehv stuff <laughs> i'm just not gonna do it I just have to be, you know, super, super careful with that. But also, like, it's a lot of planning and scheduling, and it's just a really long day. That And I want to be with my kids, so I try to balance that as best I can. Um, also, if I'm going to a barn and I have eight or nine horses, that's a lot. That's a full, full day. And I told myself when I did this, like, I want to be home to, like, put my kids to bed every night. 
So yeah, I would say the last two years consistently full. And in fact, because I limit how many days a week I work, I not only have like a waiting list, but like right now I'm not, you know, it's end of March. So I don't have anything open till like mid-May. And I like that. I like having the sustainability more. I don't really want to take on anymore because I also spend time doing like continuing education. You know, as a business owner, you also do like all, all your own marketing. So like your own Instagram stuff or whatever it is, scheduling, research, yada, yada, like the list goes on. Cleaning products because of the virus. Yes. <laughs> Not funny, but you know. So yeah, it's all about like sustainability and I, I feel very, very lucky. And um, I would say most of my clients, probably 85% of them are also like monthly reoccurring clients. So, and that's the only like new business that I really take on anymore are ones that are gonna continually work with me. And we sort of have like a goal for the horse maybe, and we try to get them to that place. So, yeah. yeah. Do you feel like you've always had the kind of entrepreneurial brain in terms of like headlining your Heck own no. business? No, no, no okay. absolutely not. No, my sister is way better at that. She's a total go-getter. She has like a ton of self-confidence, whether it's like natural or man-made, I have no idea. But I, I've been, I'm, I'm definitely like the young sibling, right? I'm the one that's like kind of check things out. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. I'm also a Libra, so I'm very indecisive. So no, the entrepreneurial stuff, like I said, my kids, like having kids sort of just like jump-started something in me. And I feel like it's really good as a human to be able to evolve and not stay the same. So my anxiety, like growing up, used to be such that, you know, in high school, let's say, you'd be like social and go to parties and things like that. But when it came to, you know, public speaking, I mean, I know everybody hates public speaking, but you know, there are certain instances where I just like literally could not do it, freeze. Part of this business is like being, like talking to clients, being very genuine, and being able to facilitate different personalities. <laughs> and um, I don't know about you, but like I hate answering my phone. I, I don't know if it's like an anxiety thing or not, but I just, I hate talking on the phone. I either wanna talk in person or text. And I take that as like something I have to work on. Like I have to work on, you know, being more, just going for it. I don't know what it is. You're growth oriented. Gro also. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So no, I definitely have not always been like that. It's been a recent discovery. <laughs> has, has the business side of things come easy to you? Yes, I'm very organized. I am, I like writing everything down. In fact, I'm probably like, my husband probably thinks I'm a little crazy to like organized and like I have to have things clean. My desk has to be a certain way. I always arrive like 10 to 15 minutes early, which probably drives some people crazy, but just that part's very easy for me. I don't know when I learned that. I think probably as a child, my mom's like that. So that side of the business is fine. The billing and asking for money is the hardest part for me, <laughs> but most of my clients are amazing at that. I've learned that like a lot of that, that those sort of things, that sort of situation is just you. It's just on me, you know, if you ask people like, hey, you didn't pay me. They're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Let me Venmo you right now, yeah. you know? So that's again, like anxiety or insecurity. I'm not really sure. But yeah, the business part's pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah, what about you? 
I think the business stuff came pretty easy to me mm -hmm. and I'm very hyper organized mm -hmm. with like I put everything in Excel with my clientele and nice. then I can like see my totals at the bottom for how much I've made. Great. Yeah. Keep every like cash and checks separate yeah. so that I can see how much cash and not tell yeah. the government about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think the business side came easy. I think yeah. that's why for me, like my business probably within the first year it felt like it was not mm -hmm. like super steady because you get ebb and flows of clientele that yes. call you back and then all of a sudden don't kind of thing but yeah I think within the first year I felt like because when I going. first started my business I was going through a breakup right I was going through moving COVID COVID I didn't have <laughs> I any other that. source of income yeah. so I like had to had figure to. out yep so push. and it actually did which is fucking crazy yeah i knew that it would yeah and yeah same thing like yeah that's when i met you was like right before covid and we had some things planned that we couldn't do yeah but we just kept at it and covid though i feel like didn't hit the horse industry as hard as most industries if someone wanted to get a hold of you how do they get a hold of you in terms of website email whatever yeah um most people get a hold of me through my instagram which is at centered equine therapies um or i have a website too centered equine therapies.com yeah cool and what other so when someone is seeking body work massage what other tools do you use and why do you feel like yours is not necessarily more beneficial than others, mm -hmm. but why do people seek yours? So I went through a few different tools that I really liked. I really, I, I included PMF for a while in my business, but then what ended up having happening is that so many people were into PMF, they actually have their own PEMF practitioner that also comes out. So I was like, okay, a few vets recommended cold laser therapy to me and I took that very seriously because if veterinarians are using it in their practice, I feel like I should probably use it in mine. So I have two cold laser machines, one that's a little higher powered and then ones that, that it's red light and cold laser and it's hand, it's free of cords. So it's like little and easy to carry around. And I love it, the horses seem to love it. It's a laser therapy as opposed to a light therapy. So it penetrates a little deeper different wavelengths, different pulses. And I use it from everything from arthritis to soft tissue injuries, acupressure points, things like that. I would say the best tool I have are my skills with my hands that's on the cranial sacral spectrum. Um, I do do some like myofascial release and like mild massage and stretching and all that. But the cranial sacral has just been this like key component. And I think it's because it's physical and emotional yeah and that was something my husband and i talked about he's like are you sure you want to do this because it seems a little like out there just go do a massage so i actually did do like a massage course too and i just got like i got part of the way into it and i was like this is just like not my jam yeah yeah so that's cool just mm -hmm. to know yeah too mm -hmm. so are there any other like pivotal moments that kind of have made you who you are that you can think of in general, growing up wanting to be around horses but not having like the funds to do that, it makes you think outside of the box a little bit. All of my horses have been given to me. So like from my Tevis horses, who are like very nice and athletic, given to me, I mean, who knows why, just come into my life at different times to, you know, horses that are super difficult that like nobody else wanted and having to figure them out. All the skills that I have as a person are due to horses <laughs> yeah they 
are just like the great equalizer in my eyes. I don't know, I not only love them, but I don't have to like, they don't have to do anything for me, you know, to serve a purpose. I can just be around them my whole life, you know, when you're raised by a single parent or like you don't have your sister around or what whatever you are going through, like you can just always go to the barn and there they are waiting for you. Super willing. We do a lot of shit to our horses. <laughs> we make them do a they lot. They tolerate a They lot. tolerate a lot. One thing I have noticed doing this work is that horses will love you if you have like the right intention. You don't have to be the best rider. Like you can make mistakes. <laughs> you can put the tack on totally shitty. You can crank the girth up tight. They might hate it, but they will deal with you if they know like your heart is in the right place. I don't know how they know this, but they just have such good instinct about this stuff. I just love that. So I love going to work and like being with a horse that maybe is a little troubled. Those ones teach me the most. The real sensitive mares love it. It's always like the horses that kind of kick at you first and the owner's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm like, it's fine. They're talking to me. Like, let's just, let's handle it. I'll back off. That's me. Like, that's my energy. That's something that either has traumatized them in the past or something like we got to change things. And then I love at the end of the session when they're like, oh, Miss Hillary, please don't go. I just love. <laughs> they give you that look of like, are you done? Yeah. I just love that. Um, so like, I love wooing them, I guess is what I'm saying. Most things in my life have been either centered around horses or kind of always been striving to get back to them. We were like, kind of, you know, we were planning on having one child. I have a stepdaughter, but then my husband and I were like planning on having one and then bam, twins and ahead of schedule. So it was very life altering very quickly and then career change and all that. So that was definitely like this pivotal moment. And I have a ton of friends that don't have kids. So my circle of people that I can kind of relate to is very small. For some reason, all of my friends and my sister included, like none of them chose to have kids. So that was a little difficult as well. So having the horse industry is great because there's so many trainers that are moms that have just like made it work. And I look at them and they're very inspiring to me. They totally like, I'm in awe of all the trainers or equestrians who have to like juggle all of that and people who don't have kids like you just blow me away with like how much you're able to get done in a day and like do so yeah well let's go into the question so what is something that you would like to see evolve or change over time within the industry and then how are you implementing that change or can you implement that change yeah, there's a few things. So I mainly work on like hunter jumpers and sport horses. And kind of what I see is people have very good intentions and they want to do the right thing. But the the quality of life, just the, the basics for the horses aren't really being met as much. And this has nothing to do with body work because I, I feel like these horses all live in box stalls some get turnout some don't most all of them have ulcers of some kind they don't have a lot of like social interaction with each other if they do it's like over the fence and just like the basic horsemanship skills aren't really there and that's not with everybody it's just kind of what I see in general and it's no one's fault I feel like in the hunter jumper world and 
you know, a bit less in eventing for sure and less in dressage, but mainly in the hunter jumper world, like starting from very young, there's not a lot of like groundwork involved, horse psychology, that kind of stuff. So a lot of times when I'm working on a horse, they're super sweet or whatever, but like they have to be in cross ties or like <laughs> I have to do a little bit of groundwork maybe before I start working on them just to have them like understand, respect, boundary. respect boundaries yeah. and just understand me. And I think if we, we just change the amount of like, we're, we ride a lot. They sh get shown a lot. They travel a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, I think like one major issue is we don't kind of like pull back and look at the bigger picture. Why am I with my horse? Why do I have them? If they got sick tomorrow, what would I do? Like, would I still just want to hang out with them? If they went totally lame, let's say they had a deep digital flexor tendon tear and they were never going to jump again. Like, would you still like being with them? Can you, could you still have them at your house and enjoy them? I think a lot of the answer is no. I see a lot of horses kind of get cast aside if they don't have like a purpose to serve the human. So that would be nice to see change and to put more emphasis on like maybe rehabilitation than just buying new horses every couple of years. You know, there's a lot of things that we can improve on. I will say that something I'm, su I'm surprisingly happy about is at least with my clients is they all really truly do want to do what's best for their horse i think a lot of the amateurs um you know they're getting help from the people around them and sometimes the help's amazing and, and valid and sometimes it's not and everything's like on a growing curve right so you can't really blame people you have to just try to inspire to do better so like one thing i do in my bodywork sessions with people is I'll kind of phrase things in a question like when I work on a horse something they'll ask the horse sometimes it's out loud so the person can hear too is like where are you withholding joy in your life and I even have little um I have like printouts that I can give to clients if they ask me full of these questions because it's more like reflective mm -hmm. so like where are you withholding joy <laughs> you know because you're kind of a mirror of your horse whether you want to be or not and so that's really important like do you feel joyful coming to the barn like do you want to be with your horse and I think I need to sometimes tap into that a little bit more we were talking earlier about being alone with the horses at the barn and how that's really important but also that horse is with their owner so much that having the owner on board is really important too. And a lot of my clients are really great about that and they'll take like continuing education courses or even animal communication courses, which is awesome. Like I think when I first started off doing this, one of the questions that Tom's wife asked me was like, where do you see yourself doing? Like what in your mind do you picture? And I said, I picture a person sitting in a chair me and with the horse and us having this conversation back and forth and that isn't really what i do anymore just from schedules it's hard to you know get everybody in the same room sometimes and sometimes the person is not on board sometimes the horse isn't on board but that eventually would be like really cool just to have everybody in the same on the same page <laughs> yeah know? do you feel like your program has become what you wanted it to be yeah and then some cool yeah it totally exceeded my expectations for sure mm -hmm. yeah cool awesome thanks for chatting yeah thank you bye hello again and thanks for tuning into stable connections the podcast this is your host shauna burke and if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more don't forget to like us on both facebook and instagram and the best way to support us 
is by sharing with all your friends and leaving a review on either Apple Podcast or Spotify. New episodes air every Monday morning. So see you next week. Bye.